But I'll tell you, you have failed so far. And if somehow you were able to sing a song now, bringing these boys together you, you haven't even met, and make something so personal, so new, that the whole world takes notice, and that your life is never the same again. But I'm telling you right now, I don't think it's going to happen. Welcome to the new album show, a podcast featuring live performance and interviews with musicians with new music. My name is Danny Yao, and if you're listening for the first time, we set up nights where artists play acoustically and then are interviewed by me in front of a crowd. This episode, our guest is Fallon Cush. The relatively new Sydney band is led by Steve Smith, and they have just released their third album, Be In Your Bonnet. He was joined on stage by vocalist Susie Goodwin. This was our first night of recording, and the audio still isn't great. I'm not talking anywhere near loud enough, but hopefully you're on headphones and it doesn't sound too terrible. Anyway, here's Steve and Susie from Fallon Kush. They open their set with Dorothy and then Useless Friend, and then we're going to have a chat. Mind. 
And you want so much circumspect More you are in control As I watch you with that knife Knife and fall, peek around That tiny blade As though you know you could have been Time with someone's fate Dorothy, the day that you met me, but I didn't sleep a whole lot that night. Dorothy, nonchalant and serene, did you really think you never would meet me? Like they hit me with a brand in iron. Thank you very much. Now you listen to me. I'm going to make this dream come true. Nobody ever said it's going to be easy. It's hard. It ain't easy to walk to the top of a mountain. It's a long, hard walk. Would it take a photograph? Jog a memory or two? A Parisian cenotaph? And a sky that's so blue Under the arches down by the sand A moment of truth when it came A picture postcard in need of a frame So let's not beat around That bush for too long You got yours and I got mine They say on the tip of your tongue I give you a penny, a penny for your thoughts, a slice of your dreams. I give you that wish at the bottom of the well. I'm too far gone, I'm a hopeless case. I cramp your style, invade your space. I hang around like a useless friend and for you and I you know that I'd do anything it all started with you and you'll be my end some things aren't obvious all yours to defend I give you a penny, a penny for your thoughts A slice of your dreams I give you that wish at the bottom of a well I'm too far gone, I'm a hopeless case I cramp your style Invade your space. Uh, 
Fans of your records too. We like to think that Hard Day's Night is our guiltiest charge. Great record. Excellent album. We learned a lot from Great it. Great record. Well, we're real big fans of y'all. Huge fans. You guys are almost as good as the monkeys. You guys are great. And CD, and, and, CD and download, and, yeah. download and it's, still it's available on all, all mediums. Was that a hard decision to make, or is this something that you've done for your other albums? Or? No, no, it's the first, first one we've done on vinyl, but I was always going to do this one on vinyl. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, look, it's a lovely album, and this is your third, as far as I can tell. And I don't know, while between drinks yep. for you, Balancush, so is this a, a band in name, but you in spirit, sort of? Well, the same guys have played on the record. The last two records have pretty much been the same lineup. Um, first one for Susie, but uh, me, Josh Schubert, Glenn Hanna, and uh, the other guy. What's his name? Scotty Applin. Yeah, we, we, we and, and and Chris Valle has played some bass as well. So pretty much the two albums have been pretty steady. Uh, so and so you're joined on stage with Susie. So mm-hmm. I'm the only different thing about this album, really. Really? <laughs> and live, yeah. that's like different live experience. Yeah, play, playing live, yeah. Yeah, so it's the first time we played live. Yeah. So how did you and Susie meet? We met on stage at the Maranville Bowling Club, <laughs> playing playing Call Me by Blondie. Yeah. For what situation? It was, it was my birthday party, and Steve was a friend of a friend, and... I had started this thing where every two years I would get everyone I knew to play songs from a particular era and he got to come along yeah, with his cover band and play 80s songs all night. And so were, what, how long ago was this? Two years. Yeah. yeah, two years. And were you looking for... Well, a like, year and a half, really. Were you keeping your ear out for someone to then sing on the record and add a female voice to what you were doing? Yeah, well, on this record, I actually didn't want to sing at all. I wanted Susie to sing on this record. Yeah, he told me that I should sing all his yeah. songs because he, he liked his songs, but he didn't like his voice. Yeah, so I, I would always be, you know, I mean, if you know any good singers, you want to sing on a record. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel the same way. I know a lot of people do. Um, yeah. I, heard his, I heard his songs and said, you, you, you just need me to colour in. 
because your voice is fabulous and the songs are fabulous. So uh, that's I what I do. That. I want to get to that place. There's something to talk about. Um, but like how this works, because it's a very, it's a, it's a wonderful sound. You guys sing really well together. When did you go, who was the first one to make the call? Hey, you know, I've got these songs. Oh, no, I, I called Susie, yeah, yeah, and said, will you sing on this record, yeah. And to take over the entire record. Yeah, <laughs> to start with, yes. <laughs> and how did you go? You didn't, you'd heard the songs? And then I, I had a little play with them, and then I just went, your versions are beautiful. You don't need a different voice. You just need some extra colour. So we'll just play with them. And did you need to be talked back into that, or did you just relate <laughs> well, I, I just I'm really, really pushy. Yeah, if, I was, if I was going to record the songs, I couldn't find anyone else to sing them, so I had to sing them myself. Uh, these songs are. I've, I've read interviews with you as well, but there's a bit of you in there. It's not like you're being uh, sort of Jerry Goffman type songwriter. No, no. Did you. And it sounds great with your voice. I think you have a fantastic so does that change the sound? Thank you, Danny. Do you think that you had to go, well, and you have other backing vocals, and you do a great, the harmonies are really interesting live as well, you have more than just two voices going. How does that fit in with what you were trying to do? Was it an organic thing to try and bring up that vocals? Did you hide yourself in there, or did you... Yeah, no, the, 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 Fallon, the Fallon Kush thing is completely organic. Nothing's planned, you know, other yeah. than I've got some songs and we go in there and record them, and however they come out, they come out, we're not kind of aiming for any particular sound. You know, it's really probably Chris and I, you know, we, we do it bit by bit. So initially it'll be me and Josh in there and, we'll, and Chris and we'll play around with the arrangements and things and we'll get Glenn in and Scott in. And Chris and I will kind of talk about whoever's in the room playing um, while we're in the control room and decide what we keep and not keep and it just kind of works out. Yeah. It's been a while since your last record. Yeah. April was 2012. Yeah. Why did it take so long? Were you saving up the songs, or how long did it take to write? Uh, no, well, pretty quickly. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, originally after April, I was going to do an album which was all these songs written on acoustic guitar, right? The, the three albums all being written on acoustic guitar. I wanted to write an album on an electric guitar, and so I'd pretty much written ten songs to do an album. Um, written on electric guitar, but then I decided I'm probably better on acoustic guitar. So, <laughs> so, so I probably wrote two albums in that time. No, well, you didn't take those electric songs and just repurpose them to electric. No, well, there's, there's one on there. The, the, the Honeycomb I wrote on electric, but other than that, they're all uh, yeah, on acoustic. Uh, and tell me about the recording process. We've gone back to Linear, which is where yeah. some of the band members work. Is that right? Yeah, Chris owns Linear. Yeah. Is that a comforting place? Is it just yeah, no, I, there? I, I love it there. I, like, I get on more with Chris, obviously. But, um, you know, I, I just like the old school desk and tape and all that sort of stuff. We tracked the tape. The first Fallon Cush album was 95% analogue. Right. Yeah. Um, so we've gone away from that a, li a little bit. But I, but I still like tracking to tape and having a big desk and sliders and knobs and that sort of stuff. I'm not very good looking at a screen. Uh, I'm an old guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 and that's good, you know. Like I mean, Chris has got a Neve, and yeah, that's good in there. It's like going on holidays. Susie, how, how about the recording process for you? Had you recorded much, and was it how does it feel like to get in there with these people that you kind of didn't know a couple of years ago? 
Well, it, it was a bit scary. It's always a bit scary when you go in and you're not really sure what somebody wants. If someone can tell you exactly what they want, it's, you know, it's, it's much, much easier. So there were probably only four songs, I think, the first time I went in yeah. to the studio. And it was like, okay, I'll try this bit and then I'll do this line and this line. And you have to decide what you want and which bits you leave out and which bits you keep. So it was kind of just doing that. Really, and afterwards you went. Well, I liked that. We'll do some more. Yeah. <laughs> what were your parts? Um, I wrote some of my parts. Um, there's a couple of parts that Steve had written perfectly already and taught me just before we went in. So, um, being your bonnet, very Beatlesque, I think, and the harmonies, the harmony lines were all Steve's writing. They're beautiful. And the songs. Like, what makes you say yes to joining someone's band? When someone asks you, you go, it's the songs, it's the people. In the past, I have actually sung on things that I really didn't like because I was getting paid. Um, it's no fun doing it that way. So every now and then, he throws some money at me. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> makes me feel like a professional. Um, but I, I love his music. So, the way I retain and, ownership. And, it, and it's fun. It's fun. It's the best fun I could have. So tell me about this record, Steve, because it is, I think, a little bit different from your other work. It, for me, listening to your records, it's a bit more laid back, a bit more open, maybe even a bit more overtly country-ish. Yeah. What's different for you? I mean, how has how your work developed? Did you go into this going, you don't want to make another album like before, or were you exploring... Sounds Not really. Like I was going to explore the electric thing, and that kind of didn't work out. So I just went back to what I was doing. You know. So yeah, I mean, like, like Susan was saying, there's, there's really no preconceived ideas before we go in there, other than the songs on acoustic guitar. Generally, Although, having said that, this this time around, you know, we did four songs in the first session. The second session, I was so sick I couldn't speak a word. Josh was so sick he could barely drum, and so I I couldn't play guitar and sing, and so. I had to drag in my home demos, and so Josh basically played along with my home demos. So that's why the arrangements are so much better than on the other record. Because they're not. Useless Friend. Yeah. Well, that was the second song you played. Yeah. Uh, bit of a single, and you did a film clip. Yeah. Tell me about that song. I was struggling for lyrics, to, yeah. be, to be honest with that song. And, um, and so I kind of had to. Um, you know, put together a few kind of different situations to come up with a kind of story, I guess, around, you know, that I could, fa fa that I could fashion into a song. The melody composed yeah. for you? Yeah. And the guitar? Yeah. Yeah. So... Always the case? Uh, yeah. I mean, generally, I'll hear them complete. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then so. there's a lyric struggle to fill out? Often. Do you have no books and things? Um, no, no. Well, generally, they'll come in a flood, you know, something tips me off to start writing lyrics, well, then I'll, you know, write a lot of lyrics. But I just, you know, if I, you know, if you say to me I want some lyrics, I'll struggle to, to write you some lyrics. But if something, you know, triggers me to write lyrics, well, then it's not such a problem. Yeah. Was there a flood for this record? Uh, at times, yeah. 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 Well, can you tell me what triggered in your lyrics? No. <laughs> He's forensic, this guy. Yeah, I'm really you know. interested. You know, okay. the songs are... The songs are 
there's a bit of an abstraction in there, and we'll talk about that when we talk about yeah. the other that you chose to do as well. And it's very rich in imagery, and but I'm also going to say that there are personal aspects of it, and it's trying to pick those apart. And yeah. Where it comes from for you, 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 you have a personal emotion, and then do you try to hide it, or do you try to make it into something different? Well, yeah, I think... Um, you know, and but the, those whole three records, and really the, the catalyst for those records, was me meeting my um, family for the first time when I was 48. Right? So that kind of triggered the whole thing. So, you know, I mean, who wants to listen to three albums of that shit? You know, not many people. <laughs> I get sick of it. You know, so I mean, so I mean, Dorothy, for instance, is about meeting my grandmother for the first time and my father the same day in this house in Kingaroy. So, so, like, it's full on personal. That's like, and, and that's basically describing the situation of her late, late 80s, early 90s, meeting me for the first time. She was supposedly the villain in the piece, sent my mother away from, you know, country Queensland to Sydney to give up a kid. So, and she was, I was meeting the wicked witch, right? But um, so it describes that meeting. She was, you know, sharp as a tack. And, uh, you know, at times couldn't hear anything. Other times she could hear perfectly, you know. And she was eating leftovers from the night before. She was the baked dinner from the night before on this little tiny plate, you know. So. Has she heard the song? No, no, she passed away. I only met her the once. I only met her the once for about 45 minutes. Yeah, right. Was it cathartic for you to get that song out? Is that sort of your process as well? Um, it probably is. I mean, I didn't want to write about it, to be honest with you. You know, and that's part of the reason for the, de the delay as well. Because I thought, really, who wants to, you know, like I said, listen to this sort of shit, you know? Like, I mean, so... <laughs> so I do. Yeah, no, so, you know, so I, I tried writing about other stuff, you know. But in the end, with that song, I wake up with Gillian Walsh singing that to me. Exactly. What? I actually thought there was some music playing in the house. I could hear her singing, you know, like they hit me with a, with a branding line. Uh... Look, it's a fantastic song. I've scared him now. <laughs> no, no, it's great. Look, I mean, this is the thing because, you know, I know so many people who write songs and there's never a boring story behind it. Yeah. You know, no one's writing songs because they're just, I don't know, look at a few words online and put the same chord again. Yeah. Or some are. <laughs> <laughs> and I've heard you say What about you, Susie? Mm. When you hear these songs and having someone else's personal connection with them. When you perform them in the studio or live, you know, how do you get yourself in that headspace to, is it just a trusting the stage, is it going with the music? I'm in the headspace as far as singing. It's my favourite thing. I absolutely love doing it. The fact that Steve writes beautiful songs and they have some very personal meanings, I'm kind of honoured to be there. So it's fun and it's wonderful. Do you ever question any of the songs? Do you ever get feedback from any other members of the band? Or is it, is it your show? Do you get full veto or do you...? In, in, in terms of what the recording or...? Yeah, recording and songwriting and songs that don't make the record. Who gives you feedback? Who do you...? Oh, it, it, everyone the whole way through. You know, I mean, J Josh especially, you know, Josh and I kind of start things off, you know, we work on the arrangements and things. So, yeah, but it, it, everyone. You know, because they're great guys, you know, Glenn, Scott, yeah. Did you get any, is there any real piece of feedback you got during the making of this album that you could 
From people other than me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, you know, th this one was pretty good. You know, I think um, it's, it's difficult. You know, they, when you do that professionally, you become very diplomatic, I find, you know. Yeah. And so, like, you know, Chris can say something which sounds pretty, you know, benign or whatever, but he's actually saying that's fucking terrible. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you, you just have to know the codes. And, uh, yeah. It's just kind of a look and, you know, a bit of indifference, probably. Yeah. Start to finish, how many hours do you think this album took to finish? Um, well, the recording was probably five days. Um, and then it's hard to say with the mixing because Chris was doing other stuff. Um, I spent a day or two with him mixing, but you know, he was doing another passenger record and had someone else in the studio. So it was really, we were kind of doing it by remote control almost, you know. Is that a frustrating thing for you? Or you oh yeah, I just wanted to get the thing finished. You know, I, I wanted that record finished last year. Yeah, I think we ended up having it mastered on Christmas Eve or something. So. You're fairly prolific, are you still writing right now? Yeah, yeah, we've got another album ready to go without lyrics, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what have you learned from the, the making of this album that will, you know, you can't do anything differently from the next album? Well, I, I, I think with all these records, there's been no overriding concept to the album. Now, I'm not going to make a concept album, but do I want the records to be maybe more cohesive than they have been stylistically? I could change my mind in the morning, but that, that's what I'm thinking. Should, you know, I mean, should, should we do that? Is that? Well, I mean, that's an interesting question because what, when do you know you have enough for an album? Because you've got the 10, 12 songs that you've just written, or do you go, well, there's a couple of weird, like you said, you're still happy about something. Yeah. I mean, there's two songs that didn't make the record because I couldn't sing them and I didn't have demos done at home. <laughs> yeah, and And... Yeah, and they're good songs, but I don't think we'll record them because they're not going to fit with what we're doing next, you know. So. And will they be lost? Yeah. They won't be on a future album, they just, no. they were of the time and yeah. just discard them. Yeah, I'll probably more than likely pull them to pieces and use, you know, the little parts and other songs. Will, will you continue having female vocals in the next record? Will I continue having Susie or the female vocals in the next record, or is it too early to say? They'll be louder. <laughs> Depends how demanding she gets. Alright, <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. I mean I'm thinking the next record will be very austere and you know a lot of space. I want to be able to hear the cage they on the snare. They won't be louder then. I, you know, I want to be able to hear the cage on the snare. Yeah, right. Is that inspired by any records? No. I just um I just think that'd be a good thing to do. You know, because and I think Probably it's a continuation of what we're trying to do in the mix of this is just like pair everything right back to create a lot of space yeah, in, 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 in the mix, you know, like we spent a lot of time doing that. I would definitely say that that's a characteristic that I like about the record. It's very, I'm not sure laid back is the word, but there's a real openness and real sort of, you know, you can hit, and especially when your voice is sound so different, there's a real character to that that isn't lost in a, Take the production. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I want more of that. You know, like, you know, complete with Matt record, you can hear everyone's voice. You can say that's, you know, Stevie, that's Lindsay, that's, this, you know, like that's. You can pick them. Whereas often with, you know, harmonies, you can't pick who's singing which part. So in the next record, I want, you know, 
Exactly. Yeah. You also chose a cover as well that we want to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, and you probably want to tell everyone the song that you chose. Jesus, etc. Yeah. Jesus, a real cover. Yeah. yeah. A very interesting band. Mm-hmm. Um, and a very interesting album. Very avant-garde album in a way, but yeah. very pop record in a way. What is this? Why? Why did you choose this song? Well, I hadn't really heard a record for a long time. That had that had grabbed me right, until I heard Summer Teeth, the record prior, and I thought Summer Teeth was fantastic. I played it to death, and then Yankee Foxtrot came out, and you know I thought that was fantastic as as well. Um, and then there's the documentary that went with it, right? I'm trying to break your heart. The story about the record company and all that sort of stuff. And I hadn't played in bands or whatever for a, a long time, but watching that documentary, I just realised how much I actually missed it. I guess we all already talked about it a little bit, but let's just see what's next for you. You're doing more shows around? Yep. We're playing here next Wednesday. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. And we're creating history. It'll be the first time we play as a four-piece. Yeah, I think um, towards the end of August we'll probably maybe start doing some more. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. We'll wait to see Susie if you're involved if you decide to... If I'm not, pushy, if I'm not too pushy. Yeah. Um, and... So sadly, we didn't get the greatest audio recording of this song, but we thought we'd include it anyway on this podcast feed. So here's Fallon Kush with Jesus, etc. Yeah. 
turning your orbit around Our love Our love Our love is all we have Steve and Susie from Fallon Cush. Find out more about the band and their new album, Be In Your Bonnet, at fallonkush.com. You can watch videos of these performances at thenewalbumshow.com as well. Follow me at Yao Am I or The New Album Show on all your social media channels and find more episodes of this podcast. And if you want to help us out, go and like our videos on YouTube or give us a star rating on iTunes. Don't leave us a review. No one cares about that stuff. Now, go listen to something new. Something.